Hi, this is Laura Monroe, and I'm excited I may be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you've been coming to us for Inman Connect. Now we're coming to you. Sign up for Inman Connect now, June 2nd to June 4th at Inman.com. Hi, this is Brad Inman with my daily dispatch. I'm very excited in this dispatch and many coming up to talk to people in the industry that are in the trenches. They're not at 20,000 square foot. They're not in corporate offices. They are down dirty with consumers trying to figure out people's housing path. And with me today is someone from the beautiful Lake Tahoe area, Amy Karate. Um, and welcome, Amy, how, how are you today? I'm doing great, Brad. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm good. And uh, are you in Lake Tahoe? Did I have that right? I am in Lake Tahoe, and we work in both sides of the states, California and Nevada. But right now, I'm sitting on the California side. I'm curious, what's the difference of a transaction in California and Nevada? Are there a couple things that make them distinctly different? There are some big differences, one of them being taxes, which you probably could have guessed. Yeah. Incline Village, which is on the state line on the north shore of um, Lake Tahoe, lends itself to a very attractive tax advantage if you are spending 51% of your time there. So we have a lot of folks who come to retire here or a lot of people who miraculously spend 51% exactly of their time here. <laughs> so it's that, yeah. And that, in the old days, I used to take my young children um, and when they were older to Lake Tahoe and there was the, the part I could afford, which was the South and the Nevada side, the funky areas, Kings beach and places like that. I think I have it right. And then I always aspired to be on the other beautiful side, which I never quite got to. Is that still the case? Is it kind of that divide economically? There is still a, a big divide between North and South Lake. South Lake tends to have much lower prices and their economy is more centered around the gaming industry. So as soon as you cross the state line there, you're met with massive casinos. And so that attracts a different type of clientele. And when I say clientele, I mean real estate client, of course, but also renter and just visitor. So you have the people that are there to have bachelor parties or bachelorette parties. And you know, I, I, that's a generalization because they do have some really great outdoor areas there as well. But people that come to visit and buy on the North Shore, which is where I am, typically are much more outdoor centered. We have a few casinos, but that's certainly not the, the main point of attraction. And um, one last thing before we move on to um, what I call kind of the tales from the trenches. The Have you seen indications of people like, say, fleeing from the Bay Area from a more dense environment or cities, more city dense areas from other parts of the country even in search of a different housing experience in this time, not, you know, people six months ago retiring to Lake Tahoe, but consumer behavior where the kind of house they want or where they want to live. Um, and let's just jump into a Tales from the Trenches. What are you hearing from and seeing with buyer behavior uh, starting with, do they are they looking for different housing types? But how are they feeling? And and you know, is the anxiety that we're all feeling affecting them? How's it affecting them in terms of their housing needs? What are you hearing on that side? So prior to COVID, I'm just going to take it back a little yeah, bit. Please. 
we started to see a surge in activity of buyers from the Bay Area, which is where our general demographic comes from. The Bay Area, for those of you that are listening, is located three, three and a half hours from Lake Tahoe. So it's a really easy car ride to just come up. As people have had the ability to work remote, people have been making their primary residence here in Lake Tahoe, and they're using that to buy a house and they're writing their mortgage as it's their primary and then they get a letter from their employer saying yes they have the ability to telecommute so that's why we can classify this as your primary so we saw that happening over the last kind of year on a really slow trajectory now since COVID has happened we have been getting an influx of calls from people saying i'm gonna work remote i want to be in tahoe this is really important to me and so, I mean, is that going to be, is that temporary, you think? Is that, is Tahoe, I mean, I noticed myself, I just, I've been lucky in my life, the real estate I have, but I get bored in one place and want to, you know, skip over to another place. Uh, and whenever I come back to California, I never want to leave. But what's your, what's your sense? Is this a, where Tahoe could be a primary resident capital other than just the locals and the tourists and the, the vacation people? That's a great question. I think it will be some type of hybrid model where most of these people keep their Bay Area space. So whether it's they're renting a room or a small flat that they've had under rent control for a while, and then they buy their home in Tahoe. The other component of that is that the Bay Area is so expensive that it doesn't really lend itself to many first time home buyers. So people want to buy into the market, they want to be in real estate, but I, I think it'll be a hybrid. So when they get tired of being in the mountains, they can just jump back down to the city and chances are they'll have to go down for meetings, you know, at least yeah. once a month. And then um, are you hearing from these people that are telling commuting that they think it's a long-term, like they may never have to go back to the office if they don't want to? Is, is that what a lot of people are telling you? I have heard mostly that people need to go and check in every so often. I haven't yeah, you think or monthly or twice a month or what do you think it is? Usually twice a month, some once a month. Yeah. If you have a, a really remote position and it's potentially not centered from the Bay Area, then I think you have the capability to not have to go in. Let's say you your office is in New York and whatnot. Yeah. And I think as as COVID, you know, the, the new world of COVID, we go into that we're going to see a lot of changes in the way that business travel used to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. I call it Zoom Airlines. The market cap of Zoom is greater <laughs> than all the top seven airlines in the world. And, you know, that is just kind of a permanent fixture in how we're going to travel. We're going to be traveling on Zoom Airlines. Um, let, let's keep going with buyers other than their housing types or their incentives around taxes. What's the anxiety level and, and how does that bleed into their thinking about housing and change? Are they, are they vigorously looking for change in their lives because they don't like the house they're stuck in? Or is it, or what's going on with this, you know, the psycho dimensions of the average buyer? And let's move to sellers and other, you know, homeowners and customers that you talk to. Sure. So I, I speak regularly with both. So first I'll take it to the buyer side and kind of share with you what I'm hearing from there. So Tahoe, if many of you don't know, is a second home market. So we don't have many primary homes with primary residents in it, which means that for the most part, owning a house here is a luxury, not a necessity, which means that our buyer pool is a little bit different in that we have a lot of opportunists. So right now, personally, I'm feeling a really big 
divide between where buyer's mentality is at and where seller's mentality is at. Because buyers, they're hearing all about the economy and it's crashing and people are losing everything. And so in their mind, our opportunist buyers are thinking buyer sale. Like, let's start sending in lowball offers. Let's see who's willing to move because they're in a tough position. Whereas sellers on the opposite end, especially being somewhere like where I am in Tahoe, where they don't necessarily need to sell, they're waiting it out and they're not feeling like we're there yet because in California, it feels like we hit the pause button for a while on real estate. It's still been happening and there's been a lot of conversations about it, but up until the last couple of weeks, there hasn't been a ton of activity where we are. We still had some, but nothing like what we would normally see. So the market hasn't had an opportunity to really adjust to the changes yet because we just hit play. So you have these over eager buyers who are, you know, I mean, last week, this is a true story. I, I sent in an offer that was a million and a half lower than what the purchase price was. Did you have to, did you have to like take a deep breath before yes. you did Ten deep breaths. I bet, and, I bet the seller agent was really happy to see you at the table. Yeah, she loved it. <laughs> We're I talking mean, about a million and a half off. What was the list price? Five. So this buyer wanted to go in and offer three and a half. Mm -hmm. And so you did it. And mm -hmm. what did you get? <laughs> and body slammed? Is that what happened? We got a thank you so much. We appreciate the <laughs> offer. We're going to do our best to solicit a response for you. Now, you know the market. You know that house probably. What will happen with that seller? Let's, here we are you know, in the middle of May, Amy. Let's imagine that that house gets no activity in May. And you may tell me they're going to, but and June and July. Let's, let's project out, because I think this is what we're trying to understand, the dog days, summer, as I call it. What, what do you think that seller is going to be thinking in August if somebody just didn't swoop in and buy it? That's a great question. And it really, the, the factors depend on, of course, what the seller's ultimate position is. As I said, a lot of sellers up here don't necessarily need to sell because it's not their primary residence. A lot so of they're not even they're not even living there. No, a lot of our houses just sit vacant for most of the year, unless it's on some type of short-term rental program. Because I noticed myself, Amy, when, you know, the March to liquidity that every responsible person's, you know, trying to do right now to protect themselves against, you know, what could be some, you know, loss of income. Um, you know, I, having those houses sit there and all the expenses, I think no matter how affluent someone is, they're probably scratching their heads going, do I unload this? Do I rent it? Do I want to be a landlord? Do I, um, I suspect even those people are probably going to have a meet to Jesus moment about, in, unless things get really better in the economy, but none of us know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to debate something we can't even figure out, but any thoughts on that? Yes. I think that they most likely have already started having that conversation in their head, which is why they wanted to, to throw it on. And usually like the famous conversation I have with sellers is, well, let's just see what happens. You know, that's what, that's what every seller basically says to me up here. Well, let's just see what happens. But it's usually, it kind of starts the same way that it, when you get a cold call from someone and they say, I don't want to list my house. I just want to know the value of it. 
you're like, okay, well, you're, you're already, the wheels are turning, right? You, you already kind of want to see what it's worth just in case. So I think if this goes on much longer and we, the economy has a really, you know, tough go, like we, some of us are expecting, people will continue to get more motivated as time goes on. Over the next few months, probably. Next but it usually takes a while for that to happen. Let me ask you this, Amy. Uh, how long have you been in the business? I've been selling real estate since 2014. And prior to that, I was a transaction coordinator, escrow coordinator, listing coordinator for about two or three years. Hi, this is Sherry Chris. I'm excited to be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now Connect is coming to you. Find out details at Inman.com. So you haven't experienced anything like this before? No. Is it like a severely cold shower? What is it like, you know, how, how do you prepare yourself having not been through some of these kind of ratcheting horrible events? How do you psychologically deal with it? For You know, I, your, your business must have changed overnight. It did. And I'm going to give you my thought process on it because it's something I've spent a lot of time thinking about, but, and it's going to sound really unique, but this is what I feel. I feel a strange sense of gratitude to be able to go through something like this because starting the business when I did, it was almost like I was at a disadvantage for not having lived through the great recession. And it seems like people really were forced to adapt and convert their style of business to a way that was more sustainable after the Great Recession had started to come back up. And there was a piece of me that had a lot of um, frustration that I had never been forced to make those changes. And so I I'm, although it is, it, it's a terrible time and, and I'm not grateful for that by any means, I, welcome the opportunity to learn and grow as a business owner and as a real estate agent and help my team go through it. And so I, I'm not looking at it as, I don't have fear around it. That's great. That, so you find, you obviously find strength elsewhere. Um, and that's so important now. I have this thing about seeing unicorns on my front yard and <laughs> My whole point of the story is you got to believe, you know, and start, if you don't believe in unicorns, that's fine, but go look in the mirror and make, abs make absolutely sure you believe in that person that's staring at you in that mirror. Um, let, let's do something for fun, okay? Um, Yaz and I are deciding to go to Tahoe. And we actually did this. We roamed around the country, Florida, Texas, Nevada, Seattle, and obviously we we're going to <laughs> no income tax states to see what was out there and whether we liked it. But as I, as a buyer right now said, eh, I'm looking for a deal. I'm, I'm not, not 3.5 million necessarily, but you know, I know things are going to soften. Amy, you know, give me a deal. I want to buy something. What, what, what's, let's role play here. What would you tell me? You know, the first thing that I like to tell people is to really just kind of sit and be patient for, a, for if only a moment, to see how things are going to shift. So right now, as I said earlier, our market is so heavily dependent on the Bay Area. That's where all of our buyer pool for the most part comes from. Since their shelter in place has been in effect, we really haven't been able to 
hit the play button. We haven't really been able to see what the demand is. And until their shelter in place is lifted, we're in still a bit of a holding pattern. And so Are, is anybody reaching out to you, Amy, and saying, let's Zoom and chat about it? Are you having that? Or they can't, they, they're afraid to get in a car and come to Tahoe, but they're not afraid to, to take Zoom Airlines. <laughs> I should get stock in Zoom Airlines. Yeah. Um, I've seen both. So the, the great thing is that we've actually been doing FaceTime showings for the entire time I've been in the business. That just is our market. Um, and I've had quite a few people get in the car and come up here and we've done social distance showings. But there's still a really big group of people that have not been able to come up. And what we anticipate for the summer is a really, really busy summer, just in general. People are not gonna wanna get on planes. They don't feel comfortable making travel plans because they don't know when the shelter in place is gonna be lifted. So Tahoe is so easily accessible from so many places throughout the state. We, we have a feeling that when this is, okay, you can kind of go about your daily routine now, we're gonna have a lot of people here. And if that translates to real estate, we're not sure yet. You know, it, it all signs are pointing to yes for our particular market, but it's, it's still a wait and see. So if you were a buyer saying, hey, I want a deal, you know, I would probably encourage you to hang tight yeah. and wait and see. Be paid. So you don't push anybody into doing something, you, and it didn't seem like that's your style at all. But you, you would just tell me, like, just hold on to your horses, Brad. There may be some value out there, but right now it doesn't look like it's happening. Okay, I'm a seller, and let, let's take a seller that's semi, desperate's too strong a word, but um, really has a reason to sell. Um, you know, it's my mom's house. My mom died. And I'm not in a big hurry, but, you know, I really don't, I'm not going to live in Tahoe. It's an asset. So it's probably time to sell it. So anxious, but not desperate. And it comes time for you and I to have a price conversation. Let's say it's a million and a half in my head. You see it as less. Do you take into account the context that we're living in? And what do you say to, to Brad when he's trying to sell his mom's house? So this is actually a conversation I have a lot because a lot of people inherit their family's homes after, after someone passes. So whenever I have a conversation about price, and this would remain the same after COVID, I give people three options in Tahoe. <clears throat> the first option is, I don't really care if I sell it. I want to just see what happens. I would say, okay, that's your million and a half price point that you want. That's what you feel. That's what you want to try and fetch. Well, hold on to a million and a half because you got time and there's no anxiety about not selling it right away. Is that right? Mm -hmm. oh, Second ahead. bracket is we're going to look at the data. This is Amy's approach. This yeah. is my data. We're going to use just comparable sales and we're going to base it off of the market itself. There's not going to be any type of heartstrings attached to it. This is the price. The lower bracket is going to be, hey, I want to sell this tomorrow and maybe get multiple offers and maybe get more than what our asking price is, but I want to generate a lot of activity. And so as we've, and I've been having conversations with sellers since all of this happened, and that's the same space that I come from is ultimately, you know, I, I'm going to provide you with the data and I'm going to help you get there. But in the end, it has to be the seller's decision on how they decide to price the home. And that way it kind of, if they choose the, the first bracket, I want to do a million and a half, I get to then go back and say, 
okay, this was your decision. I didn't tell you to do this. So now it's my turn to try my bracket and see what happens. I like that. Yeah, that's great. But now, are you with a brand? I, I didn't even ask you, Amy, who are you with? See, that's why I always think of the realtor, not the brand. I think I'm like every other consumer. Who are you associated with? I'm with Tahoe Luxury Properties. And that's a local boutique that's been around a long time? Mm -hmm. 20 plus years, small office as far as agents go, but very, very mighty. We focus on luxury high-end lakefronts. And did you ever go into the office or did you usually work from home? I really don't come into the office much. <laughs> Does it seem to you, as it does to me, and I guess a lot of other people totally disagree with me. We had this debate on Facebook and I'm not an agent, never have been, not a broker, I'm, a, I'm an observer, but um, don't you think that these real estate companies will not need as much office space? I mean, it seems kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? I totally agree. And I actually have always been a big fan of getting rid of the big office spaces and converting it to affordable housing. <laughs> ah, I like that thinking. Because it, it, like people just, for whatever reason, they, I mean, I, I would never want to take that away from people that they, they love to just go into the office and like be there and just be busy all day. But I think most people as times and the world evolves are more productive when they're not sitting in front of a computer for eight hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you. I was alone for about six weeks, literally a month. I didn't see a human being. My wife, Yaz, was in the East and we were staying apart to stay safe. And uh, the moments of reflection were just so powerful. Just, you know, I remembered childhood stories that I'd forgotten and that would have never happened. And to bring those stories back up so I never forget them and share them with my grandchildren or whatever. Uh, I'm so grateful for having that peace from the rat race. And I, I think the rat race here is we don't get as much done as we can now. But anyway, going off here. Hey, any last on that. Hey, we introduced you to a little bit to our community at a town hall we had. And I just want to tell you, um, everyone really liked you on the Inman team and your sincerity comes through as it, it is in this conversation. Um, so I'd, I'd like to welcome you to the Inman community. I don't know how involved you've been, but uh, we're going to keep you. Um, uh, I think they're going to get you involved, hopefully, in our virtual event. But thank you so much for that. Any last word to, to the Inman community? We've got about a million real estate professionals out there that, that, that tune into Inman every day. You know, there's this is something I mentioned on my town hall, but it really is inherently like who I am at my heart as a person and as a real estate agent is to have authenticity and vulnerability in all times, um, especially right now. I've seen so many realtors on social media um, coming from a space that doesn't feel natural. And every time I see it, I have a little bit of a cringe moment. And, and then I think about how that translates to your consumer, whether it's past, current, or future clients. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And so if I can see through it, then they can see through it. And so I would just encourage you just to be you because Brad, you just said it, like you associate the agent for who they are, not who they're with, right? It's about who you are. Totally. Yeah, that whole affectation BS is, I hope, being flushed down the, the drain because uh, it just doesn't fly right now at all. You know, when I first started the podcast, I had some corporate fat cats and they were all over affected doing corporate speak. And I just said, hey, guys, loosen up here. Like, 
come on, you're in your kitchen. I'm in my kitchen. Our realtor readers are in their kitchens. Let's, we don't, I don't want that corporate speak. It just, it doesn't play. I never thought it played, but it doesn't play now at all. Right. Yeah. I didn't think so before either, but especially not now. Well, it's kind of, you know, these people are kind of naked now. They don't have their posses. They don't have their PR people. They have so many handlers. And I never understood it. You're a CEO getting paid a ton of money. Why do you need all these people? And someone that gets paid 30,000 can somehow handle it without all of that. You know, it's crazy. But anyway, digression. Hey, you're great. And we hope to see you at um, uh, Inman Connect now here in a couple of weeks. And uh, keep up the good work. And if Yaz and I come through Tahoe, we'll look you up, okay? Please do. Thanks, Brad. This is Brad Inman checking out.